you realize when you've been hired as a pastor about six months in when the parents leave with the kids, you're probably not having a good time at your church. I wanted to go out. It looked like fun to me. Well, you're in transition. And it's not a word we hear very often. It's something that I don't even know how to put it because we've had interim pastors. We've had terminologies that we've made up and words we've used. The problem is no one knows what they mean. Sometimes it's someone that's retired that comes and helps you through a time missing someone in the pulpit. And that becomes what we call interim pastor. But we're lost because what we call transition is so different than interim pastor. An interim pastor fills the pulpit. A transitional pastor walks with you through the process of looking at who you are, where you're at, where God's calling you to make changes, and then where God's leading you. It's important we recognize that often we don't know where we're at. We don't know what's going on because you've been here. I enjoyed worship this morning. It was great. But one thing you need to know, that at this church, that is great. At another church, it would have been all hymns. You know where you're at. But do you know what other people think? We got up here this morning. We have a style of a service. We had the announcements done. We did everything a certain way. We know where we're at in our own minds, but how do other people view it? How does God view it? Are we stuck in a rut? Are we actually doing everything perfectly? Now, if you think you're doing everything perfectly, you've really got your eyes closed. No one's perfect. I told my kids I was perfect. That was a really dumb move. But anyway, we need to recognize that if we review where we're at and understand where we're at, we have much more of a potential of moving forward to where God wants us to be. But often we want to get moving. I made up this little story because, hey, I like making up little stories. And it starts with the line, and you heard the title of the sermon probably, you can't get there from here. I don't know about you, but I picture driving up a laneway to a farm and asking directions, and this old weathered guy coming up in his coveralls, maybe not even a shirt under his coveralls, ripped. He's all, he's all damaged from the sun, prematurely looking old. His fingers are greasy, nothing clean about them and scarred. And he comes over to your vehicle and you ask, do you know where this is? And you point on a piece of paper. And he leans in and slowly looks, gets back up, spits a bit of the chewing tobacco out, sighs and pauses and says, son, you can't get there from here. That's the picture I have in my mind. He takes off his hat, he pushes his hairs back, and he looks at you and just shakes his head. And he says, why did you think you were on the right track? Why do you think you're going the right direction? Do you know where you are? I can just picture myself saying, well, sir, I don't know where I am. That's why I'm in your driveway asking, how do I get to this place? And of course, as farm folk do, in a nice, slow, relaxed manner, he says, do you know where you came from? Then he asks, do you know where you're going? And all your answers are kind of maybe, sort of, I could, but I'm lost. See, if you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you were, you don't know where you're going really, you point at a place on a map, but you really don't know what that is. 
you're not going to get anywhere from there. You're going to find yourself lost. All I can picture is a Dukes of Hazard thing with, with, with a police chase at the end and cars jumping after approaching this guy, but you're in the middle of nowhere, have no idea where you are, and to be honest, you have no idea where you're going even though you think you do. This is the problem we run into in transitional pastor work. People set out. They go somewhere, but they don't even know where they were in the first place. Think about it. If I set out from here to go somewhere else, and that somewhere else is my dream place to be, I'm not sure where here is, I'm not going to end up there because I don't even know where I am in the first place. The biggest danger is we don't know who we are. And we end up in that driveway with the overall-wearing, tobacco-spitting farmer asking, how do I get here? And we hear the words, you can't get there from here. See, there's a problem with our approach. There's a danger we have when we're in transition. That is, we need to do something. we got to get moving. We don't want to stall out. So instead of taking time, taking stock, figuring out where we're at, we're off trying to hire a new pastor, trying to start a new program. we got to fix something that we don't even know if it's broke. There is an urge to move forward, but often it's so strong we move forward without God. The scariest part is to see a church move forward without God. Because that's a church that ends up somewhere where they can't get where God wants them to be from there. It's a dangerous time because Satan is whispering in our ears, you're stagnant, do something, fix something. You can't just sit there. I don't know what you think of God. But I believe that if we were to sit in this room for hours on end and pray, God wouldn't be yelling at us, get going, what are we going to do? I don't know who's going to get saved, I can't do anything. God is all-powerful. God is not worried about such things. We are. And we set out on a journey that God never called us to do because we got to fix something that God hasn't told us is broken because we don't know where we're at. And we become lost trying to solve problems that may or may not exist. Transitional pastoring work is about helping us understand where we're at, how the past has affected us, what is going on. Think of it this way. If the church is even 25% off track, you're building on a damaged foundation. If you're building a square house and one corner of it is collapsing, your house isn't going to stand up. And yet we seem okay to be not quite ready to go, not quite right. Let's just do it. Let's do something. Let's solve all the problems. Because if we just do something, everything's going to be fixed. That's not God speaking. That's the one that is the father of lies, who loves to deceive, who loves us to be busy. Because when we're busy, we don't have time to ask God, where are we? What do you want to do right now? so that we can go where you want us to be. We are all influenced by the past. We're all influenced by the present. The good of the past can trick us into thinking that's what we need in the future. And what is not good in the past can trick us into going anything but that. I don't know how many of you have had your COVID shots or any other type of inoculation. When they stick a needle in your arm, it's not comfortable. 
based on that pain, should we ever get another needle again? The past hurts. Do we suddenly throw everything out? On the other hand, many of us have had those great get-togethers at Christmas or times when we've gathered as a family, and this year we stayed in smaller groups. Just because it worked well before COVID doesn't mean we all want to hang out together during COVID in the same groups, at the same company parties. You see, what we think is good sometimes isn't good for the future. And what we think is bad may not need to be thrown out, but is only a painful growth process. But again, if we don't know where we're at, we tend to go running forward trying to solve problems that may or may not exist. You've been out without a lead pastor for a while here. So, did God fall off his throne because you don't have a lead pastor? Is God up there going, what do I do? What do I do? Someone help me? And yelling down to Grace Community Church, can you figure this out for me because I have no idea what to do? Or is God on his throne? comfortable in his perfection and holiness, saying, come to me, listen to me. I have things I want to change, things I want to build upon. I got a plan, but you just want to get going. I think we're all children for all our lives, aren't we? If you remember raising your children, them pulling you along. I got grandchildren now, and it turns out they can hurt you when they pull you along. They're a lot stronger than I remember my kids, but they yank you along. They got to get where they got to get. I remember as a parent going, it's not going to be gone when we get there. But that's excitement. Sometimes we do that out of fear. Come on, God, let's get going. Something's going to go wrong. we got to fix it. And God's saying, get on your knees. Come before me. Ask me. We're told in the Bible we are given a ministry of reconciliation, yet we spend less time being reconciled to God and one another than we do planning programs that supposedly reconcile the world. But we invite them into our churches, and it's a general statement. I don't know you, you don't know me. A general statement is we're not reconciling to each other. We're not reconciling to God. And yet we're inviting people into our church, into a relationship based on reconciliation that we don't even do. If we want to reach people, we have to have some, something to bring them to, something that mirrors what God is. We are the image bearers, but often we're more a program image bearer. I can see discomfort. I can see discomfort in every church I get into, but especially ones in transition. And we're going to end up up that country laneway talking to the farmer. He's going to go, you can't get there from here. Why? Because we're so out from where God wants us to be. And often where God wants us to be is right here, right now, waiting on him as he teaches us what he wants us to know about who we are. I'm going to go to one verse right now, one simple verse. It's Revelation 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You can get away with doing that when you're the guest speaker. You start reading things like that and you're trying to keep your job. You may be in trouble, but you know what? I'd rather lose a job telling the truth then keep one trying to make people comfortable because then we don't know where we're at. Now, again, I don't know you. You don't know me. 
I chose this verse because it can teach us something. I don't know if you're alive or dead. I don't know what your reputation is in the community, but that's not the issue. The issue is, are you willing to look inside and even entertain the thought of being dead? Are you willing to say, God, where are we at? Are we so far out there trying to fix stuff and make it something that God gets no voice in where we're going? I have no idea where Grace Community Church is. Maybe you're wildly alive. Maybe everybody thinks you're wildly alive, but you're dead. But have you asked that question? Are you afraid to go in front of an almighty God and say, God, where are we at? Are we alive or are we dead? I mean, I'm not comfortable with it. But it's better to be in front of God seeking to be in line with his plan than in front of God hearing you were way off trying to be a good and faithful servant. I had a plan and you took off without me. And before people start booing and throwing me out for being so hard on you, I think we need to be hard on ourselves. We keep talking about this gracious God. The name grace is in the name of your church, and yet we're afraid to go to a gracious God and say, where am I messed up? What do I need to do? Where am I at? What, what needs to change? Why are we afraid of a gracious God? Well, I think often it's because Satan's whispering, God's mean. God's angry. But God's actually got his arms open wide saying, come to me. Put your burdens on me. Stop trying to run ahead and do something and get stuff done. Let's suppose that Grace Church is 75% running perfectly. Will God settle for 75%? As long as you're on this earth, God is working on the last percentages. Whether it's from being 1% right and 99% out of whack, or being 1% wrong, if we could ever get there, 99% right. God wants to transform people. He doesn't want to change you and make you look good. He doesn't want you to have a great reputation based on a show you put on. He wants to transform you in here. And that's where churches start to transition. When individuals say, God, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? Let's put aside the alive or dead thing, because I think that can be a little difficult. If a pastor gets up and says, you think you're alive, but you're dead, everybody goes, oh my goodness. I'm surprised no one didn't go, is that what he thinks of us? He's mean. Let's put that aside and look at the whole idea. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 are letters to churches that needed to be written. Did you ever notice the comments that John writes down are, you think you are this, or you believe you are that, or I really love you, you're doing a great job, but you've lost your first love. You tolerate that woman, that Jezebel-style woman. Think of that. Why does God have to tell churches that are so self-aware, know exactly where they're at, that they don't even notice the divisiveness of one of their own. They don't even notice that they're dying. They don't even notice that they're neither hot nor cold. Those words are written because we don't notice, because we don't know where we are at. So whether grace is like any of those churches or totally different, we have to be willing to say, God, what are you trying to tell us? 
Do you think that the church at Sardis was going, oh, wow, this is great. We love hearing these things from God. I'm hoping that they were on their knees saying, God, I'm sorry. Do you think the church at Sardis actually knew that they were dead but loved the reputation of being alive? I don't know. But somehow they had drank the Kool-Aid. They bought in to their own hype. You have a reputation of being alive, and they believe that. I'm going to cross the line here and add a few words to the Bible. This could also get me thrown out. But let me add this little bit here. You have a reputation of being alive. You believe that reputation of being alive. You may have created that reputation of being alive and spread it around, but you really don't know what you are or where you're at. Because you are See, that's dangerous when we don't look in and actually ask those questions because death is kind of like a small infection. We've all had a little infection somewhere, a tooth or a, a cut. Just leave that. Don't treat it at all. And what is the end of your finger with a little infection? Is suddenly your finger, then your hand. Those who suffer with diabetes would know. I have a friend who lost his leg. It started as a little infection. He's only a couple years older than me, and now he has a fake leg because he left it. You see, it doesn't matter how far off track we are. If we leave it, we will be totally off track, and we won't be able to get there from here. We won't be able to get where God calls us to be. We need to know. We need to be humble enough to walk together and say, God, where are we at? We talk about the fact that we need to repent. Right? Repent is usually described as a U-turn, going from where you are and turning around to where you should be. How can you repent if you don't know where you are? How can we turn to where God wants us to be if we're not willing to figure out where we are to turn from? Revelation goes on in chapter 3 to say this. Chapter 3 Verse 2 says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief in the night, and you will not know what time I will come to you. I'm not trying to beat you up. Remember, I don't know what's going on. But I can tell you, if you believe God's word is true, it's time to wake up. If we do not address the issues that could be a small little festering cut right now, five years down the road, ten years down the road, there'll be nothing left. The church at Sardis didn't change overnight, didn't become dead overnight. Again, I'm reading between the lines, but I'm assuming that no one that's excited about following Christ suddenly just decides to not be excited and be dead. They slowly faded away and didn't notice where they were at. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan to first reconcile us, to deal with our past, to bring us together in love and unity, to repair the hurts, and to build upon the great things that have been done in the past. He has a plan. 
But I believe God is saying to you as a church, stop, wait, let me heal. You ever played pin the tail on the donkey? What do you do? You blindfold the person so they can't see where they are. You spin them around so they don't know where they are, and you say, go and pin the tail on the donkey. Is it possible that as a church, without a leader for a while, going through difficult times, wondering what the future holds, that we're all blindfolded, being spun around, and now we're trying to go pin the tail on the donkey? And trust me, when you're dizzy and you can't see, you can't get there. God wants to take the blindfolds off. God wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our eyes to the great things he has done through this church and remind us of those that often get hidden in the hard times. He also wants to open our eyes to the things that we don't need to be doing. Most churches believe they're just a new pastor away from success. A new youth program or exciting program away from keeping the youth in the church. They're just another outreach program. If you just get more attractive, more people will show up. The truth is, we're just a little bit away from being successful. But that might as well be miles and miles. We know God. We profess to follow God. But now we need to do it, that last step. God has healing. God has a plan. But if we go the wrong way, we won't be able to get there from here. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to see that we need to know what you're trying to tell us. Father, help us to understand that there is nothing greater in this world than your plan, nothing more perfect. And God, as excited as we get about what we are doing, help us to see that what we are doing needs to be what you are doing. Help us to follow you. Help us to be a church that transitions from where we are at, because we know what that is, into where you want us to be without any detours or side trips. Help us to be humble, repentant, and ready to be what you call us to be. In your name we pray.